Boy, they know how to move your heart, don't they? All right, praise God. I'm so privileged to be here this morning. Uh, Pastor Jim and Pastor Kelly are uh, right at this moment reaching out with a father's love on a weekend outreach, I believe, in Maryland, uh, trying to touch other people with the very reality that God loves them. Amen? I just got back from, uh, my wife and I just got back from four days uh, at a conference with uh, Global Awakening called Kingdom Foundations. And uh, I've just been poured into so much this last four days. Um, I hope you will find me prepared for this morning (laughs) because I have a message for you, I hope, from the Father's heart. Uh, Would you pray with me, please? Father, I just thank you this morning for who you are, just like we sang, for who you are. 1 John 4 says, God is love. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is eternal. So, Father, when we get to heaven, (laughs) for all eternity, we will bask in your love. But, God, we need that love now. And so, on this Father's Day, I pray that I will represent you well. And that I will call your children to know how loved they really are. But how that love is to be expressed. It's not just compassion. It's empowerment. So Father, I just thank you today for the privilege of sharing your message. And I ask you to use it in the hearts of your children. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We depend on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'd like to start off this morning, and it's not one of the scriptures that I had uh, given to them to put up on the wall, but it's found in the book of 1 John. And it's 1 John 1, 1 to 8. And it's the, the testimony that John writes down, but he says it as though it were a corporate testimony. In other words, it's not just John. It's all of the apostles. It's all of those who walked with Jesus. And he gives us these words, verses 1 through 8. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. (laughs) Wouldn't you have liked to be able to do that? To not only see Jesus, but to touch him, to walk with him, to hear his voice. This we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to you to make our joy complete. Well, my premise to you this morning is this. You will never know completeness of joy until you know the Father in an abiding love relationship. Amen? 
I mean, we can have earthly fathers who do a wonderful, marvelous job, and you know what? We're still left with ourselves and a need that only God can fulfill, a need that only God can meet in our lives, and in fact, a need that God created us to have and meet. There's, there's something God's been revealing to me um, more and more in my heart and in my mind, and that is the verse in, in Peter where it says, Jesus is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Now, if you want to know why the world exists, I, I'll give it to you in a nutshell. The world exists so God can accomplish his purpose in revealing who he is, revealing what sin is, and then getting rid of sin forever and inviting whoever has believed in him to spend eternity with him in heaven and do more things that I don't have any idea what they are, but it says no mind has seen, no eye has seen, no mind has conceived the marvelous things that are before us with God. Amen? I mean... I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but as Pastor Jim said uh, the other week, and he made me chuckle, he said, I'm already chubby, so I know I'm not going to be chubby and sitting on a cloud strumming a, a harp in heaven. Well, thank God, maybe some of you have noticed I'm not quite as chubby as I was. Praise God, I've lost 20 pounds, so I feel pretty good about that, amen? And it was on purpose, too. <laughs> so, um, but God is, God is good all the time. But he's created us for a purpose, his purpose. And part of our purpose is how he's going to deal with sin and judge it forever. Part of his purpose for us is that we would be able to live in a love relationship, a dependent love relationship with him, and that he would use us to accomplish that kingdom purpose, even though we were created a little lower than the angels. Now, let me get back to that first thought before I lose it. And that is this. Before he created the world, it was already determined that he would be the one sin sacrifice that would redeem this world back to him. Well, some of you may already be saying, well, does that mean he made Adam and Eve sin? No, he did not make Adam and Eve sin any more than he made you sin. But he gave man a free will. Now, how he can be sovereign and give you a free will, that's God's doing, not mine. But he did it. You see, because without a will, there can never be a love relationship. Can there be love if there's not an act of the will? All right. You understand that, right? There cannot be love unless there's an act of the will to express that love or to respond to the love that's expressed toward you. Amen? And the scripture says this, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us in what? Sent his one and only son to be the propitiation for our sin. And beloved, if God has so loved us, this is how we also ought to love one another. And what are the two greatest commandments? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and all thy strength. And? All right. So God was already aware that he was going to redeem mankind in order to defeat sin. You see, he displayed his character on the cross. I think I've said this. If I've said it, I'll repeat it again. He displayed his character on the cross, and he defeated sin by his character. His willingness to submit to the wrath of God for sin, to pay the price for sin, even though he never caused it. 
Now, that's a God I can trust. Amen? Can you trust a God who's willing to pay the penalty for sin and for you to have a right relationship with him no matter what? I can. Does it mean I'm a puppet? No, I'm not a puppet. I'm a person. And I have the opportunity either to respond to God's love and receive it or to reject it. Amen? How many of you lived in rejection for a while? Huh? How did you get in that state? And the answer is because someone else wanted to be your father. Only he doesn't love. He uses. It says the devil comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Steal people from a relationship with their father God. Kill them. That is, make them spiritually dead to God forever. And be abusive and use, and use them for abusive things to accomplish his will against God. You see, when, when Adam and Eve were created, it says God breathed, made them in his image, breathed into them the breath of life, and they became living, alive, in relationship with God. In the first parts of Genesis, what did they do? They walked and talked with God. They lived in fellowship with God, and he gave them a command, go and fill the earth, subdue it. I want you to do this for me and for my kingdom. We'll do this together. He never sent them out alone. Do you understand that? He never meant for them to go alone and do it on their own. He meant them to do it in relationship with him. That's why they met with him every day. That's why they came to him, and he kept them from having the knowledge of good and evil because he would be the source of the knowledge of good and evil for them, and that would also make that dependency real. Amen? Are you with it? Does that make sense to you? All right, now, how did Satan come into the garden in defeat? Did he come in with a weapon? Did he tie Adam and Eve up? I mean, did he beat him up? Did he somehow do that? No, he, he came in and brought doubt about the goodness of God. He challenged their relationship with God, whether God was really good, if he had to be God. Amen? Isn't that what he did? Did God really say? Well, you can be just like him, you know. You don't need him. Hey, folks, those of you who are living without a, a real relationship with God, how's it going? How did it go in your life before you had a relationship with God? Huh? I don't care how good your father was on earth. It all came down to you, didn't it? And, you know, there are two places in the Bible, actually three, where it talks about whether you're a child of God or a child of the devil. What? If you're not a child of God, you're what? Oh, and by the way, a loving father does not leave you without the ability to defeat him. Amen? A loving father does not leave you subject to the power of the flesh. He gives you the ability to put to death the deeds of the flesh and live in victory over it. Or in other words, when he says, be holy as I am holy, he's saying, take my provision and live in victory. Take my provision and live a holy life. Take my provision and live a life of love. Take my provision and, and be like my son, like my daughter. Amen? Isn't that what God is like? 
How do we get into this relationship that was just described in 1 John where he's the source of our joy? He's the source of our strength. He's the source of our life. And that life was the light of men, right? You were created to be a God container. I hope you realize that. And you were created to be an object of God's love. God never rejects anyone, but some people will do what? Reject God. God loves, I mean, John 3.16 was quoted already once this morning. What does it say? For God so, God so loved the what? But he created the world. But see, the world only has its truest meaning and purpose, and you only have your truest meaning and purpose when you live in the reality of that love in an intimate, personal relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's how you were created to function. And if you don't function in that relationship, you're going to struggle in all areas of your life. Without God, how does man find meaning? He finds meaning either in himself, and he wants other people to give meaning to him. Amen? Isn't that true? Don't you want other people to affirm you? And sometimes you'll do amazing things just to try and get their affirmation. And by the way, you want people to love you, but you know, sometimes it's pretty hard to love people. If what you're depending on is your ability to love people. So, I want to speak to us this morning from the scripture about how you can know who you are and how much God loves you. You first of all have to know your origin. Jesus knew his origin. On more than one occasion, he said, I have come from heaven. And I've come down to earth to make heaven known to you. But I've also come down here to bring heaven with me and give it back to you. That is that open heaven. Amen? So, I want us to look at Jesus as our model of how to know who you are, why you exist, how much you're loved, and then how to give that love away, <laughs> how to fulfill God's purpose. By the way, I want to get back to where I was saying, so, so God intends to use man to fulfill kingdom purpose on the earth, but he can only do it when we are, we are in dependent relationship with him, walking in his authority, his power, his presence, his love, and accomplishing his purpose. Amen? Is there any other way you can fulfill God's purpose for your life? And by the way, it doesn't matter what your job is, you can still do all of the things I just mentioned because God will use you to bring his kingdom wherever you go if you are, in fact, in this kind of a relationship with him. And it takes, it takes pride, and it just gets rid of it, because, you see, it won't be dependent just on you. It's dependent on God, and he gets the glory, not you anyway. Amen? Isn't that what you were created to, to, to do, is to bring glory to God? So what I want to celebrate for us this morning is God the Father. God the Father. And I want to invite you to think about your relationship with God the Father. Is it based on what he wants it to be based on? And are you experiencing it in your life? And I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying that to invite you. <laughs> to invite you to understand how much 
more there is to who you are than you and how that was the design from the beginning. God never meant for man to find his meaning within himself. How, the, how does the world, how is the world doing, by the way, with man being the center? Hmm? That's where, why we have wars, that's why we have murders, that's why we have all of the, the evil things that we have on the earth is because man is under the, when man is the center, that means their God is Satan. When Christ is the center and God is the center, now, you're, now your God is God. And now you're a child of God. Amen? All right, first of all, know your origin, who my father really is. And I'm going to use um, John 14 for this. <clears throat> How did Jesus know himself to be? Well, first of all, do, do you remember in, in the book of Luke what happened when they took Jesus down for his bar mitzvah when he had just become a man as far as the law is concerned? What happened? His family and the party that they were with left Jerusalem and headed back to Galilee, and there was somebody missing. Who was it? Jesus, the young boy. And where was he? He was at the temple teaching, <laughs> teaching the teachers which is amazing in itself, amen? But his parents so trusted his obedience and his, his relationship with them that they didn't even look for him. They thought he was with the relatives, that he must be obedient, must be coming because that's all he'd ever done. And then it says they searched for him for three days before they found him. Why didn't they go to the temple first? I thought God had told Mary that this was going to be his son that she would bear. Hmm. They still didn't get it. But Jesus did, even from age 12 or 13. You see, he knew who his father was right from the beginning. And it made all the difference in the world in Jesus' life. In John 14, if you know this, it says, uh, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Or in other words, our eternal, our, our eternal destination is with God, the Father. Why not enjoy that now? Why not enjoy that now? You see, you are already eternally his if you are in Christ. But are you enjoying what God's already purchased for you now? Are you really aware of how much he loves you? And by the way, uh, I agree that it doesn't, his love for us is not based on what we do, but what we do is very important to God. What we do is very important to God because we either represent him by what we do or we don't. Amen? I mean, I'm all for this message of grace, but grace is not an excuse to live a sloppy life. Grace is a call and enablement for holiness. And holiness means Christ-likeness, God-likeness. And, and Romans tells me, I was saved so that I'd be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. Not so that I'd be sinful Roger who needs to be forgiven every day for all the nasty things I do and say. 
I'm supposed to represent him in his love. How can I be a representative of his love if I'm being defeated by my flesh or by the, the world every day? Brothers and sisters, he's called you and enabled you to live in victory, not in defeat. He doesn't want us to come every Sunday and go, oh, poor me, I just blew it all week long. No, that's not how he wants you to live. That's not his provision for you in Christ. I hope you can say amen to that. And if you're caught in that cycle, there's hope. My gosh, there's power available to you. There's just not a wish, I hope. You can be set free from anything that's oppressing you through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father in you. Amen? And if you need to be healed, you know, most of what we need to be healed of is who we are or who we perceive ourselves to be. We've got the wrong image of who we are. We've got the wrong image of our value. You've got the wrong image of our provision. You've got the wrong image of, of it's all about the earth and the earthly things that have happened to you or you've chosen to do. And no, that's not what it's about. It's about what he can do for you. It's about what he can do in you and how he can transform your very being and conform you into the image of his son. Amen or not? I mean, I want to be a church that preaches grace and offers grace to everyone who comes in who doesn't know Jesus. But boy, I want to be a church that says, come on, church, step up those who are in Christ. You have the authority. You have the victory. You have the presence if you're enjoying what God has prepared for you and made available to you in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Come on, guys. I'm excited about living for God. You know, some of you know that I've been diagnosed uh, by the doctors to have some cancer in a part of my body, the prostate, they call it. The men have it. Women, you don't have to worry about that. (laughs) But anyway, I'm not worried. In fact, I believe I'm already healed. You see, this is an attempt of the enemy to get me to doubt my God. And I'm not going to doubt my God. The first day I had some fear. Why? Because I was thinking like a fleshly man. And then I said, wait a minute, fear's not from God. God, this is not from you. I accept your peace. Brothers and sisters, I sleep like a baby. I have no fear in my body. I mean that. I have no fear in my body. I have no fear in my heart. I have no fear in my mind because he is my life. And he's used this to draw me back closer in my intimate relationship with him. Because, see, life is supposed to be lived out of intimacy. And that's, that's what that First John 1 passage says. Our fellowship, our intimacy, our reason for a living, our ability to live, it's all an outflowing of my intimate relation with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's what transformed these men. That's what made them set this earth on its, on its head about who God really is. Because God began to demonstrate not only who he is through his one and only son, but now through ordinary people like you and me, fishermen, guys that were not that educated. I mean, if you remember, they stood in front of the Sanhedrin and they go, who are these guys? They haven't even been to rabbi school. But they knew they had been with Jesus. Amen? And by the way, learning how to walk with God... It's not something to be ashamed of when you trip up now and then. But you get up and you get going back with God again. Amen? You don't stay there in in a defeated situation. 
And there's nothing that can hold you in bondage if you will allow the power of God to be that which sets you free. You know what? Most of the people that are in addiction are still living with something that happened to them, some loss that happened to them, some pain that happened to them. They're still holding on to that as the reason to be in addiction instead of walking in the victory in the life that God has offered to them in Jesus Christ. I mean, when you're right with God, what else do you need to know to be victorious? I'm serious. But that rightness with God has to be expressed this direction as well. Um, so, I'm, I, I don't know. I got I to gotta get back to my notes, I think. <laughs> All right. Show them first, John. Three, I think is, or is it John 14 you had up first? I, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. So we were there at this point where, where they said, we don't know where you're going. How will, how will they know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can, can come to the Father except how? Through me. You see, God came to make himself known through his son. Hebrews 1 says he's the exact representation of the Father. Now, some people get confused about the Old Testament. God's love is there, folks. God's fatherhood is there. But it's in the New Testament. It's in the revelation of himself through his son that we truly get to see God in the clearest light that he makes known to us. So, Philip says, show us the Father. It'll be enough for us. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long? Have I been with you so long? And you still do not know that when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Because what? I and the Father. What? Boy, if that's not the model for your life, make it so. Because that's what he's made available to you. Because this, this section goes on, and it tells us later that if you love me, you will what? Keep my, or in other words, if you love me, you will live like I live. You will love like I love. Your purpose for living will be my purpose for living, to bring glory to the Father and accomplish his purpose that he's given me to accomplish while I'm here on this earth. I mean, what's your purpose for living? Is it to glorify God and enjoy him forever? That's what he's created you for. And he will use you to do supernatural, amazing things on the earth if you will just depend on him for it and make that the goal of your life. You see, there there are things that make us feel worthy as a person. One of them is if we know who our father is. How many orphans have struggled after they reached adulthood because they found out they were adopted and they really couldn't make it through life, they felt, unless they could get a hold of their earthly father and know who he was or their earthly mother. I mean, it's, it's a thing that hits almost every adopted child at one point or another. They have this intense desire to know who their earthly mother or father is. I believe that's built into us that we would have an earthly mother and father. Why do I believe that? Because the first thing that God said to Adam and Eve 
after he presented Eve to Adam was, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother. So fathers and mothers were part of God's creative plan. Amen? And by the way, we're supposed to be godly fathers and mothers who point our children to God. It worked for Abel. It didn't work for Cain. Because why? Human beings have a will. We choose who we will be in relationship with, who we will submit ourselves to. But I'm telling you now, God is trustworthy. God is love. God is life. He is the answer to every need that you have as a human being as far as your core identity of who you are and why you exist and what your real meaning and purpose is on the earth. You see, Jesus understood his purpose. In John 10, he says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Fullness of life. I've come to reveal to you how to have fullness of life, and that fullness of life is when you have spiritual life that God has wanted to restore to you not just as an anointing on you like most of the Old Testament interactions with God were, but rather with the Holy Spirit giving you birth as a son or a daughter of God and you have the Holy Spirit now in you, restored to you as Adam and Eve had before they lost it. And now you become a son of God or a daughter of God by God's will. Amen? First John 1 John 1.12 he came to his own, his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of the will of man, not of the flesh, not of blood, but born of God. You see, you have that awesome privilege of really experiencing a spiritual birth, of being really brought back into a right relationship with God. But then what we often do is we say, okay, God, now make my life good on the earth. Or in other words, we turn it around instead of having us live for God's purposes, we want God to exist for our purposes. Amen? Come on, how easy is that? And does he want you to be provided for? He certainly does. But his reason for provision is so that you can fulfill your purpose. Amen? All right, let's look at 1 John uh, 3 and see what it says. <clears throat> see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called what? And that is what we are. Hallelujah. I mean, I don't know if that makes you want to jump up and down, but it makes me want to shout. I am a child of God. <laughs> And it was his doing that caused me to be able to experience it. It was his plan for me to experience it. But you know, for 32 years, I rejected that. It was only when I became desperate because of a near-death experience and realizing I was headed for hell that God was able to get my attention enough for me to realize that I needed to know him. I needed to have him in my life. And I didn't get it in church, folks, and I'm not trying to raise my situation of, of meeting God. I met God in a hotel room at the side of a bed reading the Bible. And he opened me up to John, uh, Romans chapter 5, first showed me that I was 
in, in my nature, I was, I was an Adamic man. I was an Adam man. I was a sinful man. And I made choices not because, just because I made bad choices to sin, but I made the choices to sin because I had a sin nature. And I didn't have God's nature in me. But then he took me down the Romans road and showed me that all I had to do was die to that nature and receive the nature that God wanted me to have from the beginning. Amen? And when he did, I'm telling you, folks, my life changed. My purpose for living changed. I started driving down the road praying for people coming the other way to know what I just discovered, that there was life that was victorious in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, my whole thought life changed. Everything changed. And, and it changed because I made a surrender. I didn't, I didn't make an agreement with God that I wanted heaven. I said, you can have it. You can have me. I, I, I've ruined it, but you can have it. If you can redeem it, do so. And he did. Amen? Now, have I lived a perfect life? No, thank God for grace. Hallelujah. I had to grow up and start learning what it really meant to be a son or a daughter of God. You know, we preach at this church that you should be walking in miracles, but you're not going to walk in miracles if your life is not dedicated to God. Hello? Because you need to belong to him so what he has for you can belong to you. All right, so first of all, you need to know God as your father. You need to know your origin, where you're from. You know that you were created by God to co-labor with him for his purposes on the earth. Secondly, you need to know how much you are loved by God. And when we sang it this morning, he is love. God is love. He cannot not be love. See how great a love God has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. His desire is for you to be filled with his love. Why? So you can contain it? No. So you can give it away and impact this world with his love. Amen? You need to be able to say, so... Marla so loves the world that she, she gives herself for God and goes out and touches people with the reality of God's kingdom and his love. Amen? Or anyone, put your own name in there. God wants to do that through your life. Has he made provision for you to do it? Peter says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness through his son. Ephesians 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with how much? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms. Why are those blessings available to you in Christ? And the answer is so you can fulfill the purpose that he created you for. And then in Ephesians 2, it says this wonderful verse, which we all love to quote, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his recreation or his workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus to do the good things God created us to do from the beginning. So you see, you were really recreated to do the works of God on the earth now. But if you don't believe that you're loved by God, if you look at the circumstances that you're facing and take the devil's lie and believe that it's God who's doing that to you instead of God who's providing the ability to overcome whatever's come against you, then you're not going to see the truth. And you're going to struggle with the goodness of God, the trustworthiness of God, or even the love of God for you. Can I say this to you as as sincerely as I can? If you have never really experienced 
and overwhelming sense of the presence of God's love in you by the Holy Spirit, then you're not there yet where God wants you to be. You're not there yet. How do I know that? Because in Ephesians 3, Paul writes this, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Who's the Father? God. What's his desire? I pray that out of his glorious riches he would strengthen you with power by his spirit so that Christ might truly dwell in your inner being so that you might be rooted and grounded in love so that you might have power with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how deep this love of Christ is that surpasses your human ability to comprehend. Do you see what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you? He wants to so impact you with the reality of God's love in Christ that it transforms your identity and helps you to know how loved you really are, how valuable you are to God. You know, Jesus went to the cross to pay for our sins, but the, I think even more important, he went to the cross so you could live in relationship with the Father. He took sin out of the way, but he took it out of the way so you could live in, in abiding presence with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to you? I mean, we make, we make it, it's all about the sin he took away. No, he took the sin away. It is big, isn't it? It's great. It's, it's amazing. But he took the sin away so we could have fellowship. So we could know our, our identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Everyone who breaks the law, in fact, sins, sin is lawliness. But you know, he appeared that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. That's right out of 1 John. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous. He is just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them and they cannot go on sinning. But you see, you cannot go on sinning unless you trust God. I mean, you will go on sinning unless you trust God and unless you give yourself to God so that he can give himself to you in all of his fullness. I hope I'm making sense to you this morning. If you're struggling with sin, give yourself to God. He, doesn't, he knows you can't defeat it without him anyway. He's not expecting you to. He knows you can't. That's why he's made provision for you to be able to. You don't have to live as a victim. You can live as a victor. But you can only live in a, as a victor if you know who you are in Christ and if you have his power in you. Do you know that God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you? I am secure, in other words. What's the other thing men and women want more than anything else? Security. God is the one who will make you secure. Do you know what he said to Joshua three times? Hey, Josh, I've given you a big assignment, but guess what? I'll never leave you or forsake you, so do not fear. 
How do you face life without fear? <laughs> God cannot lie. Amen? God cannot lie. He said, I will never, no, not ever, no, never will I leave you or forsake you. So we may confidently say, what can man do to me? Because I have my God. You know, by the way, I, I appreciate all the prayers for me, and I, I hope you'll keep praying that, that uh, I will, in fact, have that testimony that I have been supernaturally healed, not just healed through some medical device, but I, I'm not afraid of accepting medical help. But I'd rather give glory to God because he defeated what the enemy tried to cause me to doubt him with, amen, or to separate me from him with. By the way, that's what trials do, do they not? They'll either draw you closer to God or they'll cause you to doubt and be, and be pushed away from God. If you, if you want to know how it works, read Job. It works well when you hold on to the integrity of God and know that he can't do evil. So I exist for a purpose that's beyond myself. So I know what my origin is. I know what my identity is. I know what, that I have a purpose that's beyond myself. Amen? I know I'm secure and I know I'm loved. What more do I need? To live a victorious, free life. Well, what about my relationships with human beings? What are the two greatest commandments? Thou shalt love the Lord your God with what? And the second one is like unto it. Thou shalt... You know, this is where we get in trouble, folks. When we start to think that our relationship with God can be right when our relationship with people is not. That was a commandment. Jesus said, the one who loves me will keep my... And you know how to learn how to love other people? Start loving them more than you love yourself. I'll say that one again. You know how to love people? Start loving them more than you love yourself. You know, this one has been hard um, in marriage. A wise man once said, opposites attract before marriage and drive you crazy after. <laughs> Why? Because you don't see life the same. And you want her to see it the way you see it, or she wants you to see it the way she sees it. And when you don't, you could argue. Or you could feel rejected. Or you could feel judged. Or you could feel condemned. Or you could feel however your mate responds to you. Amen? But what if your main goal in life was to express love to that person? You know, they don't have to be right for you to love them. Otherwise, we wouldn't be loved by God. Amen? But you can love them even if you don't think they're right. And you can show them honor and then discuss things in a, in a kind way uplifting manner and see victory come to both of you instead of defeat and separation and hurt and rejection. But you can't do that if you come first. 
how would you say Jesus lived his life? Did he come first or did you in his life? Well, God the Father came first and you came second. Okay, I'll give you that. But it, this is a son. He says, if I've loved you this way, this is how you ought to what? So, when you're secure in the love that is, is yours, then you're secure to love with that same love to others. Amen? So I hope I've helped you this morning to realize that God has made every provision for you to live in victory, but not only that, to walk in power, but you can't do it unless you're abiding. I've come to realize this. Ministry flows out of intimacy. Ministry flows out of intimacy. Read your Bible. <laughs> You'll see it repeated over and over and over again. How did Paul minister? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who what? Loved me. He was secure in the love of God so he could give it away. Amen? May we live that way. All right, let's pray. By the way, uh, this one especially for men, or actually I think it would help a woman too. A man named Jack Frost went from being one of the most driven, self-motivated men, first in the fishing industry, then in the ministry, to one broken by the love of God and able to restore his family and his life because he understood what the Father's love was like. If you haven't understood the Father's love, I'm going to pray for you this morning. Would you just quiet your hearts before God? Father, I just thank you that um, your love for us is not dependent on our ability to earn it. But it is dependent upon our willingness to seek it. To know we need it. To want it to be the source of our wholeness. So Father, right now I pray for everyone here that if they haven't experienced it for the first time, they will. Or if they have experienced it, but it needs to be renewed, that you will renew it. Father, I pray that out of your glorious riches, you would strengthen your sons and daughters by the power of the Holy Spirit. That as they open their hearts right now and say, I want Jesus to live in my heart, to truly, truly, truly live in my heart, to conquer my heart. I want to know the length, the width, the height, the depth. I want to be rooted and grounded in your love. And I want you to be abiding with me, and I want to abide with you. So do it, God. It's something that's beyond my ability to comprehend. It's also beyond my ability to accomplish unless you do it. So come, Holy Spirit. Glorify your son, Jesus.
love your children this morning in his precious name. Father, we just thank you. I ask that each person here would begin to have intimate times with you where you will be able to pour your love into them, God. Strengthen them and cause them to know how to live in that love. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.